0: All right. I mean, look at these amazing people here. Janine and Scott, you guys, are, you guys are awesome, by the way. I love your whole vibe and what you're doing. Thank you for being on. Thank,
1: Thank you. you. Yeah, thanks for having us on.
0: So um, what's interesting is we've met each other, and now we're embroiled in a lot of things together, it feels like. <laughs> yes,
2: <laughs> we're a so joiner. We're doing, so joiner. We're <laughs> doing significant
0: her. work now <laughs> together. Love it. So I want to learn a little bit about how behavior change has become central to what you do in, in both of your work. So how did that, what's the genesis of that in, in for both of you in your life and your work?
1: So since Dr. jay has been doing this a little bit longer than me in this field, um, I'll let her, her kick that off and, and, and how we got together and, and how I'm using this in the fitness world now.
2: Yeah. So I started with this, oh gosh, a long time ago, um, 20 some years ago. And it was really by accident. I took a part-time job and um, there were some individuals that had some behavior challenges and needs. And I was like, I don't know anything about this, but I'll try it. Like if I can help, great. And I needed to pay my bills. And through that experience, I realized that Um, I naturally was very curious about human behavior what what made it go one way or another and then over time really just exploring um, from a very strength-based perspective like how can we figure out like what we're naturally wired to do and then how can we use those skill sets to help us get to other things that maybe don't come as naturally to us or those types of things and so um, I went to school to learn more about that because that was not my undergrad focus. And so ended up with a doctorate just by persistence of continuing to learn, I think. but um, And then through that, I've just spent um, a lot of my career just really trying to help people meet those goals in a way that um, allows them to still enjoy life, that fits who they are, and I'm just really passionate about solving those problems or helping people to that um, next step. And fitness and health for me has always been an area that I'm personally just passionate about or interested, but also I feel like is such a cornerstone of overall happiness and success for people. Because you see people thrive in certain areas, but when their health and their fitness start to deteriorate, it really just impacts a lot of things, or I see them sacrifice things that, that wasn't the plan. And um, so that's sort of kind of my metamorphosis. And then Scott will kind of share how we got connected as he goes through his.
1: Yeah. So I've been personal training for almost 20 years now, gym owner for 12 years. And really, the first 10 years of my career, and this was uh, before Dr. J, like, you know, I I wanted to be the best trainer, I wanted to be the best gym owner. And I was learning anything and everything, whether it's, you know, of course, the exercise, the program design, the nutrition, even taking, you know, different blood work type t- classes, different stuff like that, because like I, I kept seeing that clients were um, struggling to, to, to get the results that they wanted. And really, uh, Dr. J became uh, a client of mine about 10 years ago. And through just discussions of, of us working together, and then co-working with our team, like, I, I realized there's this whole behavior side that the fitness industry is is missing. Like we're really big on here's how to do a squat. Here's here's how to count macros, or here's how to do calories, or any of the things. And and some of that, of course, is important. You have to have an understanding of that. But you can give someone the the best plan for them. But if they can't follow it, or they don't understand, or it doesn't fit into their lifestyle, it's really not going to be the best plan. And so through working with her and and learning all this and seeing how well it worked with clients, you know, we started working on a system of like. More coaches need to learn how to do this, and what we need to do is we need to take someone that's not at a PhD level or someone that hasn't been training for 20 years, and like how do we how do we teach people um, that have only been training for a year or just straight out of college of like how can I take these these, these principles and apply them to clients so they get better results, um, they're less frustrated as a coach because they're like well people aren't following what I'm saying. And then clients are just more satisfied because they're not getting a plan that doesn't really fit into their lifestyle. So just overall, just a a better overarching theme for um, coaches and gym owners and clients just to have a better experience with fitness.
0: So when you started doing this with, let's say clients and um, our stakeholders, what was the Initial reaction, or were you surprised by how behavior being implemented into these populations, how they received it? Or was it like, hey, this is great stuff, or was there pushback?
1: So I was amazed on how simple it could be. Because I think so much we're we're as a fitness, we're trying to get everything calculated of like, here's exactly what you need to do exercise-wise, and here's how much movement, and here's calories, and here's macros, and here's all these things. But really, if we just you know, kind of figure out what people's big caloric offenders are, what are replacements based off their root cause of those unhealthy behaviors. And people start, you know, seeing better success with way less effort. And then it's something that's sustainable long-term. So I, I would say the only pushback is people like, is this all I have to do? So they're kind of surprised by that because they're so, and then again, this is, this is the problem with like a lot of fitness marketing is like, okay, you know, extreme diets, extreme workouts, 30-day challenges, all these things that people almost kind of get used to. This is what I need to do. And when we meet with them, we're like, this is all we're going to start with. And we're just like, you know, follow the process. And it's amazing that we can, we can see results with that. It might not happen over 30 days, but it's something that can sustain past those 30 days as well, which is important.
0: Janine, how do you feel about that? Like the simplicity of what you guys are doing? Because I think we we come to think that everything is this big uh, complicated process. Life is often very simple in many ways. So yeah. what was your point of view coming from that?
2: Yeah, I think that, you know, and I've been a researcher and a clinician and a teacher, and I've done all of these facets. And so I, I, I am quite versed in the very nitty gritty nuances, the, mm. the high level of those types of things. But and I think this is probably why we work well together is But I'm not interested in teaching everyone all of those things, because I find that it's just such a small percentage of the time, such a minuscule percentage of the time that we have to get that drilled down. And so for years, I've been teaching graduate um, students, people in, in various professions, just how to do some of these basic things. And it's just having that framework and understanding and I think it's probably much like movement, if you understand some core things about movement load all of those things, unless you're working with an Olympic athlete. um, Some of the other stuff may not be used as much, I I don't want to say it's important and that's not my area of expertise so for me it's very logical and that it's simple. And that it's basic because if we look at how our paychecks are structured in many um, corporate environments, how speeding tickets are, um, and any other uh, moving violation are disseminated and all of these different things, they're all based on key basic um, behavior principles. How grocery stores are stocked, where they put items, the flow, all of that stuff is based on behavior principles. And you know, my take on it is that if the grocery stores and everybody else can kind of execute this, we in the health and fitness space definitely can do this. Um, so I get excited when people are like, oh, is that all I gotta do? Because it's really about consistency and also being able to sustain stuff. And, um, and there's a lot on social media about grit and willpower and <laughs> discipline and, and sacrifice. And if you want it bad enough, you'll do whatever. And we can all do something intently, most things intently for a period of time, but it's usually not related to what our actual goal is, because I don't think Scott's ever had a client that walked in and went, I want to lose 20 pounds. And then in a few months, I want to gain it all back. Like, <laughs> no. that's just not the goal. And so the things no. that we're asking people to do actually support that. And there's a whole behavioral um, construct around when we repeat the same behaviors over and over again, we actually create a reinforcement cycle that reinforces us to gain and lose, gain and lose, gain and lose. And so you want to avoid that cycle.
0: Most definitely. And I have like, I'm exploding with questions from this one here. <laughs> I got to back myself up here. How has this work affected both of you personally? How do you work in behavior change? And how does that translate into to your own personal behavior and various facets of your life?
1: I think for me, it's, it's taking that step back. Uh, one of the big principles that we teach is every behavior, and a lot of times we talk with clients about unhealthy behaviors, serve a root cause. And this is something Dr. Jay has taught me, like a behavior doesn't consist if it's not serving something. So anything that I'm looking to change is like, I gotta figure out what ultimately I'm looking for. The, the acronym that we use and we teach trainers is, it, it stands for EATS, so um escape attention tangible or sensory and so figuring out these things I want to change in my life and then breaking it down of like okay which one of these um core behaviors am I looking to 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 meet and to change so it's it's really kind of a very interesting way of kind of looking back and kind of understanding why I'm doing things and, and how to adjust those
2: and I would say for me at least this collaboration and what we've been doing I think one of the big things it did was demystify the fitness and health area for me. I wasn't the, the person that took anatomy in, in college. Um, I, it, physics is not my gig, um, those types of things. And so a lot of times when I would be around, even when I'd start to kind of go to the first fitness conferences, I was worried that I wouldn't understand that it's so in. And then I realized like, oh, okay, I, I understand I'm not an expert, but I understand this. And we're using a lot of words that make this sound really complicated, just the whole. (laughs) And so for me, it's, it's allowed me to say like, okay, this is an area that can be melded. And, and also, I think that I also relate to the, the newer trainers or people that haven't had, you know, 10, 15 years of constant education on all of the tweaks of saying like, you've got this, trust me. I popped into this, I know the behavior side, I'm learning this other part, you've got this, and, and, and we can kind of work together.
0: What's interesting, also, I wanted to get on this behaviorally too, because I think you commented on something, one of you did about, I had some, a spirited conversation, you'll say, about health at every size with someone. And I think, Jenny, maybe you mentioned about, oh, we need to have, we need to discuss this type of thing. What do you make of this um, kind of kind of movement, if you will, and how does this play into behavior with um, this health at every size, kind of putting that out there, especially nutritionists are putting this out there with people quite a bit?
2: Yeah, and, and Scott and I did one of the podcasts that we do together, the Becoming the Ultimate Coach, and we kind of went through what the initial movement was and those types of things, um, and kind of broke that down and spent some time on it. But in, in short order, from a behavioral side, you have to just be really clear on what how we're defining health here, and also what that means to you, because, if somebody is like, hey, you can be 70 pounds or of extra weight or whatever it might be, and you can be healthy at any size, so like, don't worry about it. From a behavioral standpoint, if I can't move, if I can't lift up my grandchildren or play with my kiddos, if I can't do um, some trips with my, my girlfriends that I want to do because of that, is that taking away from me? And, and what is health? what size is healthy for me and the things that I want to do? And so I think with a lot of things, um, the minute you say this is the thing, we're probably on the wrong path. Right. Because it's, what is the goal? How are people living? What do they need? And we don't want people to feel insecure about not being the perfect weight. get obsessed by those things, none of those things. And if that's the premise of, hey, you can still be healthy and hit your goals, but you don't have to hit this one exact number that you were in high school then I think that's amazing. If it becomes an excuse to um, that, yeah, you're just like that and and it's your genetics and it's this and don't worry about it and things like that, but that person inherently wants to do more or feel differently, then we're doing a disservice and and we need to, to, to really spend time on that individuality and support those goals. And I'm not sure what nutritionists are necessarily doing in that arena, but it's not all going to just be about food. Um, It's going to be about the relationship with food and the environment and the goals um, that that you personally have.
0: Scott, what is the kind of the feeling you get with clients coming in? Is there a huge emphasis on weight loss? And if, if even if there isn't and people are looking for it, what's the behavioral approach to weight loss that you're talking to clients about?
1: So I would say, yes, the majority of the people that we're still seeing that are coming in are, are looking for weight loss. Um, <clears throat> the The thing that we're talking about with clients, and, and this is probably one of the, the core principles, is the, the minimal effective dose. Because there's there's no one we're working out with at my facility, and I would say this is the majority of the population that are getting on stage, that are competing at the highest level in a sport. And those those, those people, they they wanna have the, maximal and the probably put in the maximal work, but everyone else, it's like, what's the least amount that I need to change to get some sort of result. And, and that we're going to fluctuate over time. And that's why when we do these, these behavior coaching sessions with people, we like to do it on a regular basis. And so I think that's one thing that's kind of lost in the fitness space. It's like, okay, you come in, you do your initial, we're going to talk about your goals. We're going to talk about your history and your injuries and all this intake. And then from then on out, it's just all, let's do stuff on the floor first like we at minimum have a uh, a time for all our members to sit down monthly to to reevaluate that and it's not it's a quick session it's a 15 minutes where we're like you know reevaluate what reevaluate what the goal is reevaluate what minimal things we put in place and then see if we're, we're we're trending in the right direction because some people if if we've made the these adjustments and they're trending in the right direction we don't really need to change much more just keep doing what you're doing if someone isn't trending in the right direction, we might need to give a few more um, things in there to, to make that trend. But what I also like about doing this too is we have people that just come to us on a weekly basis and this is all they do. They're not even working out at my facility. And I really like this for, for several reasons. One, we're getting people in that training at other facilities. Maybe they like doing CrossFit and we just don't do CrossFit at my right. facility. And so they're getting that guidance. And we're also, and this is what my favorite group, is the group that's, that's worried about they're, they're not ready to start tra- training yet. And this is something that everyone in the fitness space where I was kind of made fun of, of like, what do you mean? You're not ready to start working out. Like you're not in good enough shape. That's how you come. To <laughs> yeah, the gym. It's always the thing. Yeah. But yeah. but this is a place where they can come in and, and we're going to try to improve their and improve and increase their movement, but it doesn't have to be in the weight room. It can be like, we're just going to work on your steps. We're going to work on your water intake. We're going to work on your big quick offender and find replacements for that. And that's all we're going to do. And then, I kind of call it the gateway drug. It's getting people in and showing them that they, they don't have to change their life completely around, showing them that they can have some success. And it just gives them more confidence in, in doing this because a lot of people have tried and failed, or and a lot of people are just intimidated because most of the marketing for the fitness space is like, you know, women in sports bras and guys with six packs. They're like, I'm so far away from that. Like, I don't want to be working out next to that. And so it's, it's just a good way for that.
2: And I think I'll add two quick things to, in regards to the gateway drug, it is also just, it creates inclusiveness to fitness. Yeah. It, there's not a certain point where you don't have to be able to do a certain thing to be, to, to work on your own personal fitness and health. And so if part of it is just talking with someone and rethinking some of the habits and the patterns or the misconceptions you have. That's what we want to be for people. We want to help other coaches do that. The other thing I was going to mention, um, Darren, to your point about are people coming in for weight loss. One of the things I also like to talk about is weight loss is, is, is akin in a way, this word to going to the doctor and saying, I have a stomach ache or my stomach hurts. It's just, it, it's a word that we use to indicate I want change, but for some people it really doesn't fully um, manifest what that change is. So we like to ask people like, what is weight loss Why, what does that look like to you? What is, and and for some people it's just like, look, like I'm just more comfortable at this weight. my clothes fit better, that I just, I need to lose this. Or my doctor has said, I really got to to change some things and whatever. So that's fine. But for other people, it really is, I want to move better. I want to have activities. I, I want to feel more confident when I sit in an airplane seat or whatever it is. And when you have that mindset and you, you have that conversation, then we can better create a plan. Otherwise, if it's weight loss, how am I measuring that on the scale? If it doesn't move one week, do I feel like um, I failed or do I give up? Well, you might not have dropped any more pounds this week, but did you not say you played with your grandchildren 30 more minutes than usual, or you ran after the dog and it didn't hurt? So it, it, when we only look at the symptom, it also reduces the, the 8,001 ways that we can celebrate progress, success, and, um, and reaching
0: goals. It's interesting. Like when I work with people and I go, oh, you know, you just, you look more stable. The movements are smoother. I'm like, I know this isn't sexy to hear this.
1: <laughs> These are not
0: the overwhelmingly amazing things you're hearing from our industry about stability, which is good in other aspects in life, too. <laughs> like, you're a stable person, should enjoy that, you know? <laughs> like, but what, how much have you heard about mental health with the people you work with? Has that become a larger discussion in what you're doing on a regular basis?
1: I mean, the big thing that we um, teach coaches is, number one, stay in your lane with this. And we have doctors mm-hmm. and that we refer out to um, and, and that's where the big thing is we talk about this as being a good coach is like, I'm, I'm coaching your complete fitness journey. So if you need a PT or you need a therapist, or you need a doctor, it's like having people for that, because we, we definitely want to stay in our lanes. But that being said, um, there, one of the, 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 first things we do with clients that when they come in is, is we have a 10 part assessment where they're, they're evaluating themselves of where they're at and where they want to be at in 12 weeks. And it's different things like stress management, um, happiness, um, health, you know, mindset. mindset. And so what our algorithm does is, is picks a top priority based off of their scores. And so it's like this month, we're going to focus on stress management because again, most of the people are coming in they're They're looking to get in, you know, lose some weight, get in better shape, be healthier. And so there's probably some nutrition needs to be addressed there, but like, if we're super stressed, like it's really hard to change these other facets. And so the, the game we're playing with clients is, is like, okay, I'm not going to get into like, well, tell me all the things that you're stressed about. Like, that's not super helpful for anyone. But it's more about like, what are the things that you do for fun? Or what are the things that you used to do for fun? And let's talk about ways to get those in. Let's find time. You know, if your evenings are crazy with kids and dinner and stuff like that, like, how do you find, you know, 10 minutes of me time? Really helping people um, carve out those things that they can kind of just fill up their bucket. And so really that's a way that we can um, stay in our lane and still help with some of that stuff, because some people are getting so stressed out and then their coping mechanism is like, well, I'm just going to eat more, or drink more, or, you know, and then it just has that cyclical effect.
2: Yeah. And, and I would say also that we're increasingly seeing these like posts and, thing, and information coming out talking about like physical health is, is impacted by mental health. Mental health is impacted by physical. That's great. So we're trying to say, like, hey, there is this, you know, back and forth relationship. However, the challenge is, is that where do you go for your mental health? Do you have to go to a mental health expert? There there seems to be no progression for a lot of people. So it just feels like you either got to figure this out at home and sit with this 20 minute meditation app that I hate. And I'm not saying everybody does, but for some people, it's not a good fit or they just need a different one. Um, But if I can't master that, then then I can't handle my mental health. And with our assessment and then by having those conversations, we're letting people know that, again, minimal effective dose, some small changes and a few perceptions and um, and even how we schedule ourselves or adding or removing one or two small things can really make that impact. And when we have our sessions and we can sit with someone, we can go over their assessment and talk about that. We can also show them functionally how it's integrated instead of just talking at them about like oh you should work on your stress management oh you should meditate more oh you should like you said you wanted to be able to do this but you're running out of time here and at night you're super stressed and so you're doing this late night snacking or drinking some extra alcohol and that's not helping your goal so how about let's add those fun things or let's do this try to replacement for this and that and then they see how those small changes related to stress mindset relationships can then impact the physical results as well. And so if I'm going to talk about something, I like to help somebody put it in practice. And so that's what we're really trying to focus. And then to Scott's point, if there's something in particular that's really um, creating a mental health challenge, then we need to, to support people to go find other professionals that can also be part of the journey.
0: So interesting, because there are actually some really good books coming out about how the wellness industry at large is almost taking advantage of mental health and that, okay, now you're going to do 29 things for self-care, self-care. And it's pulling people into things that they may not necessarily need actually, but they see it as a grab of like, this is what people are into now. So let's push all these wellness things on the people and now mental health is becoming lumped into that. So when you mentioned the whole like 20-minute meditation or different things, these, this dose is not appropriate for everyone. Yeah. But it's being, it's being marketed, as you said, fitness marketing kind of like that. Just meditate more. Do more yoga. Why don't you spend more time by yourself? You know, these type of things, you know.
1: When well, I was at a nutrition seminar uh, this year, because I was just curious on the angle they're teaching and they're going over avatars after their, their base principle. And the avatar was a, an accountant that was overweight and overworked and super stressed. And, and they're like, okay, what's the first thing you're going to do? And like their teacher is like, Oh, have them start tracking their calories and macros, on my fitness pal. And it's just like, that's not what this person needs right now. Like they're already stressed and you're going to have them add something else on. And especially like if, if they'd never done it before, it's just figuring that out. And, and it just, just one of those things of, yes, um, for this person to lose the weight, um, we we need to address some of the food. But like, initially, this person just needs to be less stressed. And if you can do that for people, they will love you forever. Yeah. (laughs) And then, then we can worry about the weight loss later on.
0: Yeah, I feel like this, it's we're throwing like everything at people. And it just adds more drama and stress to their life. And they're like, is this what it takes to be well? Like I have to like subscribe to these 20 different principles and ways of living. And then people do what they do. They drop out from it because it's just too, they're already dealing with so much stuff in their lives. It's just uh, it's, I see more of this coming out about kind of wellness guru. It rises another industry when it happens, you know, like we're talking about behavior change and that has become like a sea of things. And we're talking about vulnerability and, on, and different people and gurus or, or people who have risen to the top of these industries. And, it's, and I think that's the nuance conversation. Like You guys brought in a huge aspect of mental health nuance that's literally not being discussed by other professionals for that. I had talked to uh, Michael Piercy about this. Uh, one of our colleagues, and he's like, we're just not willing to have a huge nuanced conversation about mental health and behavior for fear of maybe like going too far on the other side of it and saying, well, maybe this just isn't for you, a particular thing, or maybe you did your best and it wasn't good enough. It's like, we're afraid of that wall a little bit. Have you seen a little bit of that? Maybe I'm just crazy with this.
1: but. Well, what's what's amazed us and, you know, we, we created this Healthy Behavior Institute and we have the course and, you know, we're playing the marketing game where you create your yeah. avatar. We couldn't have been more off from our avatar. We're just thinking mm-hmm. like a young trainer that's coming in, that's interested in like affecting the overall. And what we're getting is a lot of experienced people, 15, 20 years of experience. And it's easy to look back and be like, well, this makes sense because yeah. they've been struggling with this because they haven't had this piece of it. And, and, and I see this with, um, young trainers that we bring into my facility and we're training, they're very comfortable with teaching a squat or writing a workout or even getting into a little bit of nutrition, but having conversations about relationships and mindset and stress management, it's something they, they easily pick up. But at first they're just a little bit hesitant on, they're like, I don't know, because Mm. they, they've been, they've been doing back squats for the last, I don't know, five, 10 years or so. And but now we're going to talk about relationships. So Like I haven't had a serious relationship, <laughs> you know, so it just it, it's, a, it's just very funny. Of yeah, we're we're seeing the the, the very mature uh, doing this. But what we're also seeing is success with this younger generation. When I say younger generation, usually a lot of people start in their twenties as trainers. Um, when they when they lean into this, um, they can learn it and master it just like they do the other parts of this. Yeah,
2: and and I think. To me, the big uh the big aha is you don't have to when we talk about behavior change, when we talk about lifestyle in, in the relationships or whatever, it's not about having the answer. Yeah. It's about asking the right questions, listening, and then be the fitness guide, not the fitness guru, not the fitness right all the time person. That's not the point. It's just being their guide to say. What's your day look like? So few people get to stop and just really dissect their day and really get to talk about it. And then there's also a process that when we talk, for some people it's writing, but when we talk about something, it starts to help our brain connect things in new and different ways. And so having that sit down, that whether it's over the phone, whether it's virtually or in person, And asking the questions, which is how we set it up. When we talked about a simple framework, that's what we do is we just have these kind of prompts and different topic discussions to get that thinking all going. And a lot of times people have their own answers. They know what they enjoy doing. They know what they used to do for fun. They, They can tell you once you ask the right questions why they're doing the late night snacking when you give them a framework. One of the mistakes, though, is that um, sometimes there's this tendency, and there's, um, and I understand where it comes from, and it's part of the picture, but the sort of interviewing where we ask a lot of open ended questions. And the problem is, open ended questions are rough because if I am 22, And I haven't had a lot of experience with relationships. And I was just like, tell me about your relationships. And this person goes head on into like significant marital issues or bad child issues or whatever it is, you know, um, or the mother-in-law from, you know, where, like, what am I supposed to do with that? Well, there's nothing you can do with that. And you're not going to be the person that's going to help with that. But if you understand what kind of questions and help guide all related to the goal it it also helps the person's brain take that information and apply it to the goal. Because if you have a gazillion conversations while you're on the floor, there might've been some great nuggets in there, but my brain, while I'm working out and while you're telling me how to do that squat, I'm not connecting all the dots in the right way. So I'll go off and do part of it or piece of it, or I'll just forget most of it. And so that's really what we're trying to reshape here is not only that behavior science and those principles are super helpful to. Close the impl- information implementation gap, but it's also um, how we deliver it. And it's not just about what have you tried this? Have you tried that?
0: So. Well, it's interesting. I love it. Sounds encouraging that younger trainers who may not have the life experience. And we're seeing that more with people in their 20s as they delay adulthood more and more and different things. <laughs> You know, you're talking to somebody who's having going through all these crazy things. They're like, what? I I just got my own place. Like, I don't even, you know, I'm watching Netflix. You just started driving. (laughs) I just started. Yeah, exactly. You just started driving. It's, but it seems encouraging that they're open to it, to learning. There's this drive to want to be better conversation. I mean, we're in the conversation business. We really are. We talk to people and you hit it right. All of my clients, they're slowing down to work with me. They had that time, we're in a barrel together with each other, and it's the first time they're having a nuanced conversation with another human during their day. That is not about taking, or what do you need from me? What am I doing? I have to pick this up. And it's actually a very powerful time. And I think I love to promote that to people, like, you're a a major influencer in someone's life when you do this work. You have to realize that. And, but I love that you guys are seeing that younger people are just really open to it. Sometimes I worry about young people. Really, I worry about this whole weird conversation gap thing. You know,
1: <laughs> like, I think every generation worries about the younger generation. I know, though, right?
0: So Am I getting old? Called. I'm getting old now. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I think they've been exposed to, whether they've engaged in them or not, they've been exposed to more topics that people will share, whether it's on social media or on yeah. TV, you know, I've been around long enough to know it's a big difference about what is shared <laughs> and what has not been shared. So I think the strength of that is, is that fewer topics are really off the table yeah. for this, that younger generation, they just need a guide themselves on how to shape those conversations yep. related to the work that they're doing and the lane that they're in. And I think that we have kind of created this system that allows them to do that. And that's why we're seeing them, like Scott said, once they lean in, they're like, Oh, got it. Like (laughs) I can do this. And then over time as with anything, when you have experience, you probably tweak it a little bit your own way to your own kind of personality, but the overall framework um, is tried and true.
0: What's the difference. Do you get trainers who work with you guys and they have worked in other environments? And then they come to you. then they go, "Whoa, I, I was not expecting this." Here, uh, what's the difference they're seeing in their work life when they come to you guys and start working on this strategy?
1: Well, it is interesting because most of them just have the training side, right? So we we typically see just the trainers or the trainers that also do nutrition. And and so, it's 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 encouraging to see the the success that they're having with it, and also the the enjoyment they're having of, of, of working with people. Because if you're constantly giving someone a plan and they're not following the plan, you're like, what am I doing as a coach? Like, I don't want to stick in the, with this industry because it's just frustrating. First, if you, you can give them a plan, they have success with the plan because, because most people want to be good at what they're doing. And it's hard to be good at what you're doing if people aren't following your plan. But the problem I see is a lot of times the the, the trainer is blaming the client for not following the plan. <laughs> It's really, they're not getting the right plan from the coach. Right. And, and I've talked about this vicious cycle, and, and um, I've actually used this in a slide before. I have an amazing person that does this 12-week transformation, great before and after picture. But the problem is, us as coaches, we occasionally get someone like that. We're like, well, that's what the standard should be. This is what everyone should do. But really, this is the outlier. I mean, there's a reason I have one best one. <laughs> <laughs> I've worked with... I've worked with thousands of people. Right. So so we can almost get in the mindset of like, well, he followed what I said and he got amazing results. If everyone just followed what I said, they would have amazing results. But he was the outlier. And more people need this more this, this minimal effective dose just to trend in the right direction. And, and the reason why the majority of people in my past where I feel like they weren't following the plan is like I did not give them the right plan.
2: And I would also say, Darren, to about your question about what people see is because we'll go to conferences, we'll go over overhear conversations. And to Scott's point, they're saying, well, the client isn't compliant. And so they're constantly working on, well, how do you improve client compliance? Right. Well, we can talk about it all day long, but that just sounds daunting. How do I control other people? <laughs> how do I control I you? <laughs> see? Yeah, that I only get maybe two hours a week? Like, yeah. what's the likelihood, right? What I think trainers realize when they work with us in the system is that they actually have impact over this and they can change what they're doing and actually significantly impact this compliance. And that's just super encouraging to Scott's point about, I wanna do do well, I I, I wanna be good at what I'm doing. And human nature, if we can control our environment, we are a happier person. If we feel like we can impact our environment, we are much happier and much more excited to be in it. And that goes for trainers as well. So when it stops being like, how do I get this other person to change their behavior? <laughs> when they realize like, oh, I've got this power right here yeah. of yeah. changing a little bit of how I do it. And then by definition or by default, they, they will become more compliant. So I think that's empowering for trainers and it's just fun to, to watch them kind of go, oh, I got this, I can do this, I can impact this.
0: Yeah, I hear that all the time. It's like, well, they're not compliant. like, and it's funny. It's like, how much of it is looking back at oneself? And it makes me think like, how much of what you do involves self-evaluation of of the self, of a trainer saying, hey, maybe we need to look at you emotionally and socially. How are you bringing yourself? What's the projection of you into this experience?
2: Absolutely. I think those mirror neurons and the way the energy we put in what other people give us, there's just a lot of science behind that. And we do have to, no matter what we're doing is, is try to be mindful of how we're bringing ourselves.
0: Do trainers ever, um, do you ever do anything where the trainer, I know you talk about the clients having like the once a month time, maybe the 15 minutes. Do the trainers get that too with the staff and talking about, their, you know, what's going on in their lives, and, and kind of breaking down how they're doing how they're again, their projection
1: of self into their work. That's something that's big at our facility, like we, we meet for an hour each week. And we like to go round table where everyone's at, um, you know, highlight any Clients, and then also talk about we call them baby dragons. There's any many <laughs> little things that are bothering you to like bring it up, so they don't become big dragons. Yeah. Um, but also like just spending that time of uh, what's been super helpful for us is just seeing the young players kind of um, role play through this, and then they can kind of work through their own things too. Because I think when when people um, go through a little of this and, and see it themselves of how it impacts them and makes them better coaches, it's kind of yeah. um, getting them to have some of that experience um, with it.
2: And the other thing that we've built in. So when people take our course and to get either learn more and get a certified in or whatever, part of it is we have that healthy behavior assessment that we talked about those 10 areas where, and we encourage coaches as they're going through the course to take that themselves. And then we try to offer some insight on those results. But it's part of that me search is understanding where I am. What do I want? And then really thinking about those. So throughout the whole course, we're showing here's a a system to use with your clients, but also as you're going through the course, use it with yourself, walk through that. And so we ask reflective questions, we give that opportunity uh, so that people can kind of think about that from their perspective and then be able to model that and and support as well. And then sometimes I know with, Scott's facility for sure too, is if somebody's brand new to the facility and they have some goals, overall health or fitness goals that they're still working on, then um, sometimes they have the opportunity to walk through some of this as well, just for those personal goals. So definitely something I would encourage.
0: I love that. So what are we seeing on, well, let me back up. Why do we think that behavior change is becoming, I see it as a much larger aspect of our Fitness journeys is is there can you point to a certain aspect or is it just a natural progression of our business for that you're seeing that what you're doing is becoming more popular?
1: What I think's funny is there's um I got it from Eric Helms, the Eric Helms nutritional pyramid. And it's like, you know, if someone wants to lose weight, the calories are most important, then macros and then micros and then timing, then subs. And then always underneath it, he's like, but what's most important is like lifestyle and like behavior change. And then everyone gets into the pyramid. And and everyone doesn't address what's underneath it. And like this is the the, really the the bottom of the pyramid. This is the foundation that all this is based off. If I want to get people to um show up regularly for for workouts or or show them how to get more steps in a day or change some of their unhealthy habits, like this is this is the cornerstone for that. And so um I think it's becoming more popular because it's needed and it's effective.
2: And I would also, and this is a guess, I don't have data on it, don't have like research, but I would guess that societally, and there's pros and cons to everything, but there's been much more, and you started this whole discussion off with this, Darren, about like healthy at every size. There's much more discussion about individuality, inclusiveness, diversity of along all aspects. And when that push is coming through for that and people are demanding to be um, understood differently, even, you know, things like there's more discussion about that. A lot of medical research, a lot of research in general is done on men and then transferred and assumed that it works for the female body or um, and and all of those kind of things where people are like, hey, wait a minute, or at different ages of life and stages. Of different approaches or thoughts or things like that. So, as more push has been putting through societal, the minute you start saying, Hey, you need to look at me as an individual, it can be overwhelming to think, Well, how, how am I going to have a gazillion plans that's going to ca- one for everybody? Right. How do I do a meal plan for every single individual person? Right. So, our brains start to go, Okay, that's in. And behavior science, which is not new, it's been around oh. for a long time, and there's massive amounts of research um, to support it in practice. It's like, oh, this is that framework that we can kind of plug and play different personalities, needs, and things like that, and pop out with an individual plan without it being. So I'm guessing between you know Scott's take on that and and mine, I, I think it's that perfect storm combination. I think the concern i have is that we can't just throw that word around and be like oh i've talked to somebody about their behavior so i'm doing behavior change <laughs> yeah. and so i hope that the industry continues to view this as truly a science just like it does anatomy and movement and that we need to take the time to learn it understand it and 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 use it as such
0: that's you, you guys have both said like incredibly nuanced things which i love my, my worry is just like this is what we do in fitness is we take these things that are hot and we make them marketable. And yep. then we, we don't look at any of the nuance behind it. We go, oh, I'm a behavior change expert expert now. You know, I did this course over the weekend. I know what I'm doing. I know how to like help people be persuasive about making behavior change for that. That's why I'm so passionate about talking to people like yourself. And this kind of coalition committee we're on and stuff is like. Let's be let's get ahead of this, because someone will who is not having the intention that we have <laughs> for it. And they will be a great marketer and they'll go, yeah, this is the next big thing. Like, I'm just going to push this real hard, you know, and, and use all the great um, videos and, and different channels and things for that. So uh, I'm grateful that I know both of you. Seriously, you're awesome people. I hope you have great uh, podcast experiences on other podcasts as well. Keep churning it out, get out there, spread what you're doing, and please let everyone know how they can connect with you, um, and what you're doing.
1: Awesome. And thanks for having us on, Mike. You've been such an uh, amazing resource for us and getting to know you and and the committee. And it's, it's, it's it's really been positive. So thank you. Um, really, uh, our website, healthybehaviorinstitute.com. Uh, we have plenty of free resources on there. From there, you can also get to our podcast or YouTube, which is uh, becoming the ultimate coach with the jock and the doc. Um, that's the doc, if you haven't picked that up. Um, and, and and really, it's just um, checking us out on our social medias of of Scott Schuette and Dr. Janine Steester, And that's, that's where you can find us.
0: I love it. Thank you guys so much for being on and uh, we'll certainly be in touch.
1: Awesome.
2: Thanks, Darren.